0: Jesus, we thank you for bringing us here this morning. We thank you that you've got words for us to hear and words that, are, um, yeah, that we need to, to receive um, and words to trust and put our faith in. Uh, we pray now that as we look at these words that uh, you might uh, help us in this, that we might receive all of the encouragement and help that these words are meant to give. Please be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So chapter 12 is a bit of a big deal in Hebrews because it um, has the verses on which we've based the whole sermon series. So here's the picture. I don't know if you remember it, Um, but it talks about us fixing our eyes on Jesus. And that comes from chapter 12, and I think it's verses uh, 3 and 4, or 2 and 3. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition that you do not grow weary or lose heart. So those are the verses upon which this whole sermon series is based. It is that we fix our eyes on Jesus. Um, And so chapter 12 has loads of words in it which are really helpful. The Christian life is not one that is, is altogether passive, For our salvation, we can look nowhere else but to Jesus. We're not to look at our own hands, our own muscles, our own goodness, our own purity, because we have none. We are sinners. We are unclean. We are weak and powerless to save ourselves. Now, we must do that. We must look out of ourselves. Salvation is from outside of us, and we behold Him. Jesus, who was sent from the Father, the great high priest who has come, and he has come to to be between us and God. He has come with a sacrifice uh, that we cannot give. He's come and taken it to a place that we cannot get to. He has done everything for us. In that, we are passive. In that, we have no part. It is all Jesus doing it, uh, directed by God the Father, as part of that eternal covenant that one that is new and ever new. So that's our salvation. But I think we as Christians get really mixed up then with um, my whole Christian life is passive. My whole Christian life is about me just sitting back and then God is going to do the rest. It's not. Our salvation is like that. We can't do anything. We look to Him who's done everything. And Hebrews tells us that He sweated when He did His work, that He cried when He did His work, uh, but He accomplished it for us. But there's words then in chapter 12 that tell us, nah, get up off your backside. That's what it's saying. No, get up, get up. So Some of those words you got in the first few verses, throw off everything that hinders when you're running this race. Even the word run, right? That's active, that is. You've got to get up out of your seat. You've got to put your trainers on. You've got to put shorts on, and then you've got to put one leg in front of the other quite fast for it to be called a run. Uh, What I used to do, I I say to people, I used to jog, um, but it was more like a fast walk, really, um, because my legs weren't going that fast. But it's an active word, that run. If you're a Christian, if you've trusted Jesus, you've been passive in that all of the forgiveness has come to you based on nothing that you've done. The life that Jesus has, he has shared with you based upon nothing that you have done or accomplished. But now... Now you've got his life in you. You've got his spirit who so powerfully works in you, energizes you, energizes you to run a race. If you're a Christian, you're in a race, and you've got to run. We started up the football on Wednesday nights after prayer meeting. If you want in and you're old enough, see Sam. But it's shocking to look at. I tell you, if you want to laugh, it's half term this week. Mums and dads, bring your kids down to have a look, and, and your kids will never eat McDonald's again. <laughs> it's like, if you eat McDonald's, son, you will look like that, <laughs> um, and you will be as red as that, and as wet as that. Um, it, is, it is unbelievable, but it, it's running, and if you come down on Wednesday, you'll see that it's an action. It's an action that we can't really cope with, um, but you'll see it's active, To run this race. And so it's to throw off everything that hinders, the sin that entangles, that you actually expel some energy in saying no to that and yes to Jesus. He says that. And then endure. Endure is a word that came up lots in Psalms of the Sermon. That we are to endure trials, endure hardships. That takes strain, that does. That takes a, a fixing of your eyes. That's an active thing. Fix your eyes on Jesus. In verse 4, in your struggle against sin. <laughs> Where does that meet you? In your struggle against... Uh, excuse me. Whoa, hang on. <laughs> I'm not struggling with sin. <laughs> um, no, that's a problem, isn't it? You expend the energy. Make every effort, it says in Verse 14. To live in peace with all men. Make every effort to be holy. The Christian life is one of effort. It's one of work. It's one where you get down and it's like, no, I'm going to put myself to the grind here. Then we get into the verses I'm going to speak on this morning. It says, see that no one is godless like Esau. So there's an effort in which you've got to make as a Christian, yeah? An effort to chuck off the sin that hinders. An effort uh, to um, struggle against sin. The sin that you struggle with. To struggle against it. To endure the hardships that you are under. That might be quite particular to you at the moment. But then we're introduced in verse 16 to another effort that you've got to make on behalf of other people. You make this effort to be holy But see to it that no one is godless like Esau. He just quickly flips then to a a whole church sort of thing. See to it that no one is godless. There's an effort you make for yourself, but you don't live by yourself, do you? You don't live an individual Christian life, do you? You don't live by yourself just accountable to you. You live in a church family. And so there's effort to be made now as you look out at the church family. See to it that no one else is godless like Esau. Now, do you remember Esau? Esau uh, was, um, was a boy. Uh, he was a twin. Well, yeah, he's, yeah, they were twins, weren't they? Jacob and Esau. Uh, Esau comes out first, and then Jacob not long afterwards, a couple of minutes, uh, if that. Um, and so there's these two lads, and they grow up, and they're quite different Esau is a hairy fella Um, he's got hair all over him now I'd love to be hairy Uh, it's actually one of the things Mel likes about me that I'm not that hairy Uh, but I would like to be hairy I'd like a really good beard Um, I know that it comes with shaving your shoulders but I'm all right with that Uh, but I'd like to be hairy but Esau was this hairy man he was hairy Jacob not so much um so i've probably fit more with jacob than i do with esau um hanging about in the kitchen watching his mum do the cooking uh not very outdoorsy you know but then esau is the outdoorsy one you know he's out running around bows and arrows chasing cowboys and Indians, all that sort of stuff um whereas jacob is not like that but esau as he grows up proves uh, to be one who doesn't accept what jesus says now, you know that's bad news in hebrews terms right because he talks in Hebrews about today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. But he doesn't listen to what Jesus wants. Neither does his dad, Isaac, really. Um, and so it is that there comes a point where Esau is so hungry that he sells his birthright for a bowl of stew. Now, it's not some Michelin star bowl of stew, I don't reckon, you know. <laughs> uh, it's nowhere on the par with, uh, with what the life that Jesus is offering him. He has set up the church where Jacob is going to be the church leader. Esau can be in on that if he submits to Jacob. But he's full of pride. I'm not going to submit to my brother. I'm not going to submit to the Lord who tells me that Jacob is the church leader going into the future. That's his choice, but I don't, I'm not down with his choice. I should be that one. And that is his problem. You should submit, shouldn't he? He should have submitted to, to God's choice here in church leader. Because it means he can be in on Jesus. He can be in on sins forgiven. He can be in on life, the shared life with the Father, Son, and Spirit, but also then in on the shared life with His church. He could have been in on that. Yeah, that's the invitation given to us all. That's the invitation given to you if you're not a Christian here this morning, is that God has chosen one who is the leader of His assembly, and you can get in on life with Him and with His people, but you've got to accept Him. You've got to have Him. And Esau, nah, not having it, mate. Not having it. Um, and he sells his, rather than be blessed with God's people, uh, he prefers a bowl of stew. And so it is when the time for blessing comes from Isaac. Isaac is thinking, I want to bless Esau, I don't want to bless Jacob. Uh, but do you remember the little facade that goes on uh, that Jacob dresses up as Esau, kills a goat, puts some hair, skin on his arms so that when Isaac touches it, it's like Ooh, you are Esau, because you're hairy. Uh, And then he full-on blesses Esau, and then realizes it's Jacob, that the Lord can't be outdone by all the sort of human interactions. You can't, um, as, as a human on this planet, get from God a blessing outside of the man that he has chosen. You can't. But Esau tries it anyway, and Isaac's down with it, but it doesn't work. All the blessing is given to Jacob. He now is the church leader chosen by God. He is the one who is the head of the assembly, the one in whom uh, the blessing to the world comes through him. Now the Bible says, see to it that none of you are like Esau. Just for the, the fading pleasure of a bowl of stew. You know what this is like. You know the sort of pangs, don't you? You know what it is to look into a plate of food and to go, this means a lot to me. And then to eat it and to be like, oh, that was all right. Yeah, you wake up in the morning and you're hungry again. But Esau just went full on, no, this is what I want. This is where I'm going to look for life. Give me a bowl of stew, he says, or I die. Well, don't really think so, Esau, but that's how he looks at it, though. He puts all of his life in a momentary bowl of stew. Make every effort. See to it that none of you are godless like Esau. Godless like Him, in looking at this world and saying, this is my home, in looking at this world and trying to satisfy your desires, no matter who it it hurts, no matter what it costs, that I'm just going to go with what I desire. See to it that no one is godless like Esau, who rejects the blessing of God in the man he has chosen. But tries to get something out of him anyway. See to it that none of you are like that. Are you like that? Is that how you've decided to live your life? Is that the pattern of your life? I'm not saying that you can't struggle with this, you know. And I'm like, oh, and he says it, struggle of sin, isn't it? That's what it is. Your evil desires are gonna, have, oh, and you give in, and it's like, no, confession and repentance. That's not what Esau he so does. He's not crying because he's repenting. He's crying because he's angry. He's crying because he can't get a blessing. He's crying because he, he wants a blessing outside of what God has decided. Is that you? Is that the pattern of your life? He says to these people, to his church, look, you didn't come to a mountain. You know, a bit of a scene change there, isn't it? You're like Esau and Jacob, and it's like, why are we talking about mountains? You did not come to a mountain that is gloomy and dark, and on fire. He didn't come to a mountain like that. What mountain is this he's talking about? It's Sinai, isn't it? Exodus 19, do you remember it? The people are brought out of Egypt, and uh, they come out by the blood of the Lamb. They come through the water, they're baptized, and they walk into the desert. And what Jesus proclaimed in the first happens. We will take a three-day journey, and we will worship God on this mountain. He's taken them to the Father, So they come out, and as they stand at the bottom, what they see is a mountain on fire, a lightning, the darkness, uh, the trumpet blast. They hear the, the, the command, don't let anything touch the mountain until I tell you it's safe, and they totally flip out. They are totally overcome with fear and with dread. He looks at the people here, and he's like, you didn't come to a mountain like that, did you? That's not what you saw when you came to the mountain, No, what you saw, same mountain, okay, same mountain, what you saw was Mount Zion. Oh, that's what you saw. Do you remember that? When you looked up, you saw all the coaches arriving from heaven and the angels pouring out in their celebration. As they looked down, they they saw it, isn't it, the picture of coming out of Egypt, the blood of the Lamb being shed. You believing it, included in those who were brought out and rescued and redeemed. He comes with the waters of baptism and out into the the desert to meet with the living God. Isn't this amazing? And the angels were having a party. That's what you saw on that mountain. You didn't see the smoke and the fire. You saw that. You saw the church of the firstborn. You saw all the people who belong to this church. All the firstborns ever, not literal firstborns, but all the firstborns who um, have that status that everything belongs to them. They inherit everything. You saw that, didn't you? You saw uh, those whose names were written in heaven. You saw God, the judge of all the earth, and you saw the righteous ones made perfect. You saw all those from Hebrews 11, didn't you? Do you remember that? When you looked up there, you saw, yes, these are all the examples shown to us on in Hebrews 11, who can't be made perfect until we join them and are led into the new heavens and the new earth. That's what you saw. Godless Esau comes to a mountain that is full of fire. If you don't know Jesus here today, that's what you think of God and that's what you see. In his word, he tells us, he's a judge, even on this other mountain scene, the other perspective on that same mountain, they see the God who is the judge of all the earth. It doesn't result in fear and trembling because they know that they are not there because they have done something, because they have accomplished it. They know that they are there on the, on the merit and work of another. They have been passive in getting to that mountain. God had done it with His mighty outstretched arm. Godless Esau, though, looks at that mountain and goes, flip, I'm not having any of that I don't want him. I'm not going up there. If I go up there, I'm going to get incinerated. I'm going to be taken out of the equation. But that's not where you come from, right? That's not how you came to know the Father. You came because Jesus brought you. You came because of his first word that he declares on that mountain. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up from the land of slavery. And he's brought you to himself. That is how you came to this mountain. Does that match up with what with your experience right now? How did you come this morning? You're forgetting what Jesus has done for you. You're forgetting how you've come to know the Father. Not on your own, not on your your efforts. Simply upon his. Now you've come to that mountain and you've seen something different from that, right? Yeah, the law that would slay you takes you to the one who can heal you, the one who takes you in to meet the Father. So you've come and you've seen all of that. You've seen that there's a blood that's been sprinkled that speaks a better word than Abel. What does Abel's blood cry out of the ground? What does it cry? It cries for vengeance. It cries for justice. But the blood of Jesus has satisfied all of that. The blood of Jesus cries out for you, doesn't it? Pardon. Pardon. Because of what Jesus has done, you can make every effort. You can endure hardship. You can see all of your hardships and trials as the work of a father instructing and nurturing and bringing to maturity his child. Because you've come to the father like that. You make every effort. It's not a reflection on your, on your salvation. It's like, no, he's done it. But I need now, I need now to exercise some, some real grit here and gumption. I need to make some effort here. Because that's how I got there. That's what you saw, isn't it? When you were saved, that's what you saw. You saw that your sin was bad and the judgment upon your sin is more than what you can sort out. But then Jesus was put before your glorious eyes, isn't it? The glorious Jesus before your eyes. And it's Him who takes you to the Father. So now make every effort. Make every effort. Let that spur you on today. That you think, yeah, what am I doing? Mucking around with that that sin. What am I doing? That's more like what Esau is on, not on what Jesus is on. And to throw that off so you can run and follow Jesus unhindered. remember Sam when he started chapter 12? We thought about chapter 11 of all these examples. He's like, and they're great, aren't they? All of them exercised their faith. All of them made effort, didn't they? Moses made effort in running the, in the opposite direction to where Pharaoh was. That's effort, that is. It's in the Bible, isn't it? Flee from sin. <laughs> run to Jesus. It's like, that's great effort, that is. And Moses did that, and he suffered disgrace with the church, but he saw that as better value than all the treasures of Egypt. And we saw, isn't there are examples there, and we can run like them and follow their example. But then we're like, really, really you would have thought the writer would have gone for Jesus, right? He you know, worked his way up to Jesus as the example, but he does. He does. Jesus for the joy set before him in do with the cross. Yeah, that's the effort you are to make is to run after him, to run and follow him. That group of runners that Sam was talking about, isn't it? The guy who broke that record, he has to run with other people. We need to run with each other. We need to run towards Jesus. Follow him. Follow him in his slipstream, that we stay close to him, fix our eyes on him. You fix your eyes on Jesus, you won't go much wrong. You won't go much wrong. The joy is set before us is this mountain. This mountain is described in, uh, in past and future ways, and it's something for the present. You came to the mountain and saw all these holy ones. Well, that, that sounds like he's talking about the future. No, he is, but he's like, no, you, this is what you're seeing, though. What you're seeing is that. It's like the fulfillment is right there in front of your face. This is the joy that you're running for, The one day that you will join that assembly led by Jesus himself. You will be following Him, the conductor, who will lead us in singing. No coronavirus then, and no masks on your face. You will, we will be there with those who are waiting to go into the new creation because they can't until we're with them, until we're made perfect together, this Jerusalem that comes down out of the sky, isn't it? All that picture language from Revelation 21. That's the joy set before us, is that Jesus, Jesus Himself, He is there. We want to run to Him Run for him, running, following him. Fix your eyes on him. So do, make the effort. Make the effort because that's the mountain we came to. Nothing to fear from him. But we've got everything then to do here. Make the effort. Throw off the sin. Fix our eyes on him and follow him. and We won't go much wrong. So I pray. Lord Jesus, help us. Uh, we're, so, yeah, we're so weak and uh, quickly uh, go back into just thinking it depends upon us and our, uh, our performance, but it, it's not, it's to do with you and what you've done for us, that we can now live. So please help us in this, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. We'll have a song sung to us now.